On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the next-gen Roadster's SpaceX-boosted 0-60 to time has been revealed. Tesla sneaks the Plaid, or maybe Plaid Plus, Model S to the track to set some new records. Mattel is back with yet another remote-controlled Cybertruck toy and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This is episode 303, that's a palindrome, from May 23rd, 2021. Daisy the Boxer is to my left. Now, if all goes well on Sunday as this episode publishes, perhaps as some of you are even listening to this, if you happen to be listening on Sunday, I am driving down with a friend of mine to the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles to check out the next generation Tesla Roadster. I'm fully vaccinated. I texted him. He's fully vaccinated. He's like, let's go. Let's do it. So I'm looking forward to that little one day road trip. We're just going down and back. It's basically a long drive just to go see this thing. But I am really, really excited to see it. In fact, I'm extra excited to see it now after what's been revealed about it this week. So let me start right there. A couple of quick but very notable updates about the next generation Roadster from Elon. First, he says that the final version will look different than the prototype that is on display now at the Peterson. Responding to the Tesla New York Club on Twitter, Elon said, quote, the production article will look different, and in parentheses, he says, better, end quote. Now, he didn't say how different or how it would be better, but I think it's very newsworthy at all that he said different. Now, I've actually been saying this for a while. If you go back to the New Year's predictions episode from the beginning of January, that's I just figured that's got to be the case because the reality is, the Roadster that we see now, the one that's on display at the museum, it was designed as of today, as we sit here today, that's a four-year-old design. And the car still won't be out for at least another year. So five years is a long, long time in the automotive design world. We're talking about half a decade at that point. So it arguably needs a refresh before it hits the streets, even though... I do fully believe that the 2017 prototype that's that's there now is an absolutely gorgeous car. I mean the the lines on that thing, the cur I mean it's it's I, I would say it doesn't have a bad angle. I mean from the back of it, it's uh it, I think it's just ridiculous from the back, but even real any any direction you're looking at that thing and I'll get finally a good look at it as you're hearing this. You know, I've had the privilege of seeing it twice before. The first time under crappy indoor event lighting at the Model Y event, the unveiling of the Model Y in March of 2019, and then again in September of last year at Battery Day in the nice bright sunshine. But at both of those events, you could really only see the car from one angle uh, because of the way they had it positioned and roped off. So at the Peterson, it'll be nice under good museum, in fact, not just good, under amazing museum lighting, professional lighting, and you'll be able to walk. will be able to walk all around the thing and really, really get to take it in. But um, anyway, as I said on my New Year's show, 
I imagine that the car is getting a redesign under the skin as well as over it underneath to account for the structural battery pack and the 4680 battery cells that have come along since the Roadster's original unveiling in 2017. But that's my speculation. We now definitely know for sure that the skin itself, the look of the car is being updated. If I had to guess, I would imagine it's going to get angrier looking. Now, to be clear, I do think the prototype already looks pretty ticked off, particularly if you look at it either head on or straight from the back. Like those, those two angles are, are very, very aggressive on the prototype as is. But my guess is the final design, it, I'm sure it will have a resemblance, probably a pretty strong resemblance to the prototype. I don't think it'll be a total do-over, but I believe it's probably going to end up looking more aggressive, more supercar-y than it already does now. Because remember, like if you think about, okay, well, where would Franz take this? Franz and the design team. Tesla has no lasting design language. I mean, yes, the Model S has been, you know, effectively carrying the same design for eight going on nine years now. But when I spoke to Franz von Holzhausen, Tesla's chief designer, back on episode 220, if you never heard that interview, you can go back and listen to that. It was recorded, fun fact, it was recorded a mere, I think, two or three weeks before the Cybertruck unveiling. Like, we all knew the Cybertruck was coming. I knew when I was in the design studio interviewing Franz that, it, that the Cybertruck must be no more than probably 150 feet away from me. But sadly, of course, I didn't get to see it at that point. But anyway, in that interview, Franz told me straight up, he said, I asked him, you know, what what is Tesla's design language to you? And he said, I'm paraphrasing. He said, we don't really have a design language. And sure enough, three weeks later, after that interview, the Cybertruck is proof that there is no lasting uh, rule book for what the Tesla design language has to look like. So the Roadster could evolve into anything at this point. Uh, but I do think it will resemble the current prototype, but evolve from it. I don't think the dimensions will really change. I think it's unlikely to get bigger for sure. I mean, it's already a pretty good sized car. I can say from having had the privilege of seeing it a couple of different times. I think if anything, it's possible it might get a little bit smaller to assist with handling because the 4680 cells should allow Tesla to get the same power and the same range out of fewer physical cells. But uh, so maybe a little smaller, but at worst, it's going to be the same size. And very much, again, I think it will resemble the prototype, just freshened up a bit, a little more aggressive to, to account for the fact that it's been five years or it will have been five years by the time it hits the streets from the prototype. So uh, just as a, a sort of a, a final example to what I'm talking about here, if you look at pictures of the original Model S and Model X prototypes, the same exact thing happened with those cars as well. The Model S prototype was from 2009, and by the time it went into production in 2012, the S morphed into a more aggressive-looking car. Meanwhile, the Model X, that prototype was early 2012, same thing. By the time it went into production in late 2015, the final product ended up being 
more aggressive looking, particularly at the front end with, with the X from prototype to production. So I can't wait to see what the final Roadster ends up being. But that's not all that we have to talk about with regard to the Roadster this week. On display at the Peterson Museum, there is a placard, as there is with any vehicle that's on display anywhere, whether it's at a fancy car show, like a Concorde d'Elegance, or a a high-end museum such as the Peterson. The placard that accompanies the Roadster's Peterson display also happened to reveal something new this week, and I believe Zach... Uh, from the sort of greater Northern California Tesla group. I think, I guess he's officially, I don't know if Zach's in the San Joaquin Valley Club officially or or what, but he's uh, BLKMDL3 on Twitter. Anyway, he is, uh, I believe, the one that gets the credit for for first posting this photo. So uh, the placard, that's where I'm getting at here. The placard for the Roadster it says this. Take a, take a very careful listen, particularly at the end. The placard says, Unveiled in 2017, the Roadster is the second iteration of the first car released by Tesla. Powered by li- a lightweight lithium-ion batteries and a plaid powertrain in which one electric motor powers the front wheels and two power the rear, the standard Roadster will reportedly be able to accelerate from 0 to 60 miles per hour in as little as 1.9 seconds demonstrating the versatility of electric power and adding extra distinction to the car's already high performance, an announced SpaceX package would outfit the Roadster with cold air rocket thrusters positioned at the rear, allowing for a 0-60 to acceleration time of 1.1 seconds, a rate largely unprecedented among modern road cars. One Point one seconds. I can't even say that without laughing. It's just comical. It's it's absolutely hilarious that that's a real thing. And if you're wondering, well, wait a second, is the museum just taking some creative liberty there? No. Elon confirmed it later in the week. Uh, it seems then that Franz and the design team is giving us our very first taste of what the maxed-out Roadster is going to be capable of. This is insane. Although, I guess in Tesla nomenclature, this is maximum plaid, because we're getting plaid coming up. And if you go back and watch the Roadster reveal from 2017, Elon uses the words maximum plaid. So uh, that's what we're looking at here with the SpaceX-boosted Tesla Roadster and I absolutely cannot wait to see and hear it in action because apparently it's going to be loud when those cold gas thrusters fire off. Now, you know how I got I got thinking about this, obviously, because that's what I do all week <laughs> after work hours are over. I go into Tesla mode. But you know how Tesla now includes a Tesla branded USB flash drive with every car? It's for sentry mode. Well, with the Roadster, they're going to have to include Tesla-branded barf bags for passengers with every single Roadster. You think I'm kidding, but I'm really not. The math online, and I've not verified this, but I've seen this number typed up by plenty of what I presume to be smart mathematical people on, uh, on the Tesla Reddit. The rough estimate from the community is that we're looking at 
two and a half G's being pulled in this car with the SpaceX package. That's uh, that's pretty wild. Elon said on Twitter, quote, it will be safe, but very intense. Probably not wise for those with a medical condition, same as a hardcore roller coaster, end quote. Which again, if you're not soaked in this world as I am, if you're just a kind of a casual car fan and you read that, if you believe it at all, you're probably like, wait, what? Really? Like, that's crazy. But here in the in the world of Tesla, we just sort of chuckle and say, yep, that that's Elon. That's that's how these things go with Tesla. And kind of on that note, I have to say that reveal of 1.1 seconds for the zero to 60 time, it's the most Tesla thing ever because any other car company out there would have, by the way, very rightly made a huge marketing deal. They would have made a huge deal over their upcoming sports car doing zero to 60 in 1.1 seconds. Again, See, there it is. I cannot say it without chuckling while I do it. Tesla, on the other hand, instead of making a big event and a big deal and we're going to unveil the world's quickest car ever. No, Tesla reveals it via a museum placard, which their community posts online and their CEO very nonchalantly confirms on Twitter. Like, yeah, that's true. 1.1 seconds. Yep. Yeah, you got it. So that's, I couldn't help but laugh. And for the chaser, Elon added later on Twitter, reminding us of the hover capabilities that he's talked up. He says, this will actually be able to fly very briefly. I always laughed at flying cars and now I'm making one fate heart emoji love, uh, meaning (laughs) so fate loves irony. Ha ha. End quote. So just unbelievable again i cannot wait to see what's going to happen with the roadster i'm thrilled that elon is finally talking about it at all because it seemed like for quite a while there i mean clearly the car was on the back burner completely and again justifiably so tesla had other more you know higher priorities with the business launching the model y getting the new gigafactories going getting the 4680 cells in order because without those, we can't have a roadster. We can't have a cyber truck. You know, they're, they're bigger fish to fry as Elon has said many times, but it's really, really fun to start now seeing Elon talk about the roadster. The next year is going to be great. I mean, we're going to find out a lot more about this car over the next 365 days. Maybe it even starts to deliver in about a year from now. We'll see about that, but Anyway, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be super fun. Next up this week, Hot Wheels is tripling down on its Cybertruck toy line as they've now just posted a $100 version of a remote-controlled Cybertruck. This one is a one-tenth scale that fits quite literally in between as far as scale size. It fits in between the other two sizes that they've already sold. And by the way, before... Before I even continue, I'll just unfortunately tell you right away, these sold out in absolute minutes, just literally a few minutes. They are gone for now, but uh, I'll get to that in a minute. I want to thank 
listener Bill Korb for sending this in. Here's the product description of the new, because this is actually different than the other two remote-controlled Cybertrucks that, that Hot Wheels has done. So they write, Hot Wheels Cybertruck RC is a one-tenth scaled version of the groundbreaking electric truck, and now is your chance to get behind the wheel or at least the controller that looks exactly like it. At only $100, this futuristic masterpiece includes a free-rolling cyberquad and controller that mimics the innovative steering wheel. You won't believe how this cyber beast upscales everything in its path, from the authentic rim and tire treads uh, to the controller that mimics the actual steering wheel, every inch of the one-tenth scale is realistic and crazy cool. Guys, don't, that's, I didn't write crazy cool, just uh, let the record show. Uh, and at speeds topping 12 miles an hour, which that's pretty impressive actually, it's considered one of the fastest RC cars on the market. Time to put the pedal to the metal and see what this baby can do, end quote. Uh, and then the kicker elsewhere on the website it says, not only are we the first company to make a replica of the ultra-cool Cyberquad, we're including it as part of this amazing set. At one-tenth scale, this ATV is equally as chiseled and envy-inducing. So there you go. It does include a Cyberquad, which certainly the little one doesn't. And I don't think the big one does either. I know, although now I can't, of course, off the top of my head as I'm recording the show, I can't remember. But in any case, uh, yeah, it... It, the whole thing dropped on Friday, and it did already sell out, as I mentioned. It does look pretty cool based on the product shots, and yes, that RC controller really does look like the Cybertruck's half-yoke, half-steering wheel. So my advice is, if you're interested in buying one, start keeping an eye on the big box retailers. You know, the Targets, the Best Buys, Walmarts, etc. of the world to see if any end up there. That's how a lot of people ended up getting the smaller scale, the little tiny remote controlled one. Uh, once they sold out from Mattel, people were able to find them at the big box retailers. Next up this week, what is either a Model S Plaid or as I believe a Plaid Plus was spotted by the eagle-eyed Tesla fanatics over at the Kilowatts. It was doing laps around the track over at Laguna Seca down here near Monterey. So the Kilowatts posted both pictures and video of both a red Model S and a black one doing laps around the track. The black one looked like it had the regular carbon fiber spoiler lip on the trunk lid that you can get on a Performance S now. But the red one, here's where it gets interesting. The red one had what appeared to me to be a pretty polished, production-quality-looking aero wing that lifted up from the trunk lid. I mean, you know, of course, the S, as you know, is a hatchback, so it's mostly glass that's sloping down, but you do have a bit, you know, what's maybe 12 inches, something like that, of depth of, of where uh, the hatch comes up that's body panel, not glass. That piece raises up, at least on this car that they were throwing around the track in, in Laguna Seca, comes up as an active spoiler. It's wild looking if you go and watch the video in, a, in a, what I think is a really super cool way. So therefore, kind of just comparing those two, the red and the black one, I would imagine that the red one with that active spoiler is the Plaid Plus because we haven't seen that before. 
And obviously the Plaid Plus doesn't go into production for another year from now. Whereas the Plaid, and I'll get to this in a second, finally is right around the corner. Hold that thought. And the, and also on the website right now, if you go on the design studio on tesla.com, the Plaid Plus only advertises its performance specs right now as very generally just even better than the Plaid. They're not saying exactly what. But we know that that car's got the new 4680 cells and we know it costs 30 grand more. So it would make sense for the Plaid Plus to be the one that has this sweet active spoiler trunk lid going on. So we'll keep an eye on that. It gets more interesting though. We're not done. Why would you be at Laguna Seca besides just regular old track testing to test the, say the, oh, I don't know, you know, the thermal limitations of the new 4680 cells. Now that's, I should clarify my speculation there. I don't know if there are 4680 cells in either that red or black car. I am presuming so, but I don't know for a fact. But what I can tell you factually is that the kilowatts did report this, quote, during testing, Tesla scored a one minute, 29 second lap of Laguna Seca. This marks the first time an EV has lapped the track in less than a minute and a half and may even put this version of the Model S in the top 10 quickest production vehicles to ever lap the Laguna Seca racetrack. In fact, they note this could be in the top five production vehicles as five of the vehicles in this top 10 list are not production slash street legal. Randy Popst, who uh, those of you who are longtime listeners may remember from when I interviewed him on this podcast last year, I think it was. Anyway, uh, the Kilowatts notes that Randy holds all the production records and was not behind the wheel of the Tesla during this specific test. They note that the context on the lap times that they filmed, uh, well, basically they just, they sort of offer proof of the, how they filmed it, that that's how they know their lap time that they got from this is pretty accurate. So the Plaid or Plaid Plus S, which I remind you is a five passenger family sedan with massive cargo capacity to boot, just blitzed around one of the most famous racetracks in the world at a record setting pace in a pre-production vehicle. So very, very cool stuff. In fact, I, I want to give them a plug. I think it's worth watching the video on the Kilowatts' Twitter account, which you can find at KLWTTS, basically Kilowatts without any vowels. In other Model S news, what I teased you with a moment ago, it appears that the new Model S delays are finally coming to an end. Elon tweeted this week, and I just want to note, he tweeted this at nearly 1 a.m. Pacific, or since we know he splits time in Texas now, it was 3 a.m. if he happened to be in Texas that day. He took that opportunity in the middle of the night to say, quote, Tesla Model S Plaid delivery event on June 3rd at our California factory. Fastest production car ever, zero to 60 miles per hour in under two seconds. I presume that Tesla will be not just delivering cars, but also offering test rides, test launches at that event. So I would be delighted if I would were lucky enough to get the opportunity to go. Uh, I'm. It's one of those things where I, I'm so grateful that I live 45 minutes away from the factory. So 
I don't know though. We'll see how Tesla handles this. If they're going to invite any press, if they're going to invite anybody from the Tesla community, but more importantly, hopefully some of you out there with long-standing orders for the new Model S that have been waiting for, at this point, some of you have been waiting for six months. If you place your order in, say, December, you've been waiting a long time for your Plaid Model S, and hopefully you will get invited so that you can come and get your new car, because that is going to be amazing. <laughs> Take delivery of your new Plaid at the delivery event, maybe do some some blitzes. I will say, um, I guess if there are any police officers listening, plug your ears, I guess, but, uh, at the, at the factory, the frontage road that's, uh, that you have to drive on. I think it's, is that, that's no, no, that's not Cato road. I don't think anyway, maybe it is, but the frontage road that, that you have to be on, uh, to, to turn in and go, go to the factory. It's pretty long and it's pretty straight and there are no other there are basically no other driveways. So all I'm saying is if you're going to take delivery of your Plaid Model S at this event, that's not a bad spot to just, you know, just make sure there's nobody around getting, get yourself into a good spot. And there's a, there's a good place there where you can, you can, uh, rip off a couple of good launches before anybody yells at you. <laughs> oh man, that's going to be cool. So June 3rd, got that circled on the calendar. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if I'm able to go. I would. I would love to if invited. Uh, next up, I want to say thank you to Steve for flagging a German Twitter post showing off a test run of the Model Y Giga Press front end casting from Giga Texas. The photo was shared by Axel Turk, a die casting specialist and managing director of Email Turk GmbH and CKG. Turk congratulated Tesla's workers for successfully producing the massive casted part, which was the first one of its kind. So uh, it, it's cool to see the pictures of this, by the way. It's just one giant piece. It's like one giant front end of a new Model Y, you know, a structural Model Y. I mean, even as someone who I am very much not an expert in automotive assembly, but again, the picture alone is impressive. It's basically like a giant die-cast car, a one-to-one scale Hot Wheels car, except it's real. You can actually drive it. So if Tesla can do the front half of the car in one casting and the back half of the car in another casting, that simplifies production by a lot. And not only that, it also cuts down on what I presume to be dozens of robots that are necessary on the assembly line which just simplifies everything. And it could even, in theory, also help the fit and finish as well, since each car and the panels attached to it would have more of a uniform fit uh, than have you know those little millimeter level variances from car to car. So onward and upward, really cool stuff coming down the pipe for the new generation Model Y coming out of both Giga Texas and Giga Berlin later this year. Speaking of Texas, we've got an unfortunately red alert for my Texas listeners out there, and I know there are plenty of you. Texas wants to charge Tesla and other EV owners about $400 in annual fees. 
This story comes via Clean Technica. I spotted it on the Tesla Motors Reddit, so a hat tip to both of those places. Clean Technica writes, quote, the Texas House Transportation Committee voted on a committee substitute for SB 728. The bill includes 190 to $240 of an annual EV fee, a scaled vehicle miles traveled fee. So if you travel more than 9,000 miles per year, the fee is $150 plus. And that's a lot of people, especially in a big state like Texas, are probably driving 9,000 miles per year a $10 annual surcharge that funds a new charging infrastructure advisory council, added all up, those numbers total $250 to $400 plus in annual fees, says Clean Technica. Well, some kind Tesla Redditors did some comparison math for context on this, just to kind of frame it up for you. The user Sharon PDX writes, Texas's gasoline slash diesel tax is 20 cents a gallon. $400 in taxes is 2,000 gallons. For a 25 mile per gallon vehicle, that would be 50,000 miles of driving. For a 10 mile per gallon vehicle, 20,000 miles of driving. Yeah, this is purposefully punitive, end quote. And then another user, Dave Casa says, Texas gas taxes, again, are 20 cents per gallon. Assuming you drive a 30 mile per gallon car 10,000 miles a year, that comes to 10,000 miles, blah, 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 $67 a year. In every state where an EV tax has been implemented, it is many times more than gas car drivers pay. The intent with this is clear. I am with my fellow Tesla community members on this. Fair, I mean, come on, fair share is one thing, right? Okay, let's... There were, there were cars just like gas-powered cars, just a different propulsion method. But this really does seem to be a pretty intentional poke in the eye at EV owners. And more pointedly of that poking stick in the eye is a potential poke for would-be EV owners in Texas who might see this and think, you know what? No, I guess I'll stick with a gas car. Those fees are insane which that's probably the goal of this. That's probably what would make the oil and gas lobby happy. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's not fair. I don't want to get political with it, but uh, it, it is all relative. But the, the thing is, you know, like relative to other states, I mean, I pay a fortune every year here in California without any EV specific fees. But the point is that relative to other vehicles in Texas, Daisy, what are you up to over there? She is just a... Uh, just throwing some blankets around on her bed. Anyway, um, again, relative to other vehicles in Texas, so apples to apples, this really is just a lot. This is a lot. So here's hoping that this bill gets defeated somehow, some way. I mean, hey, look at it this, this way. Texas seemed more than happy to woo Tesla to get those thousands of jobs and boost the economy uh, from the Giga Texas plant that's already underway there. So... Let's hope that this bill will get slapped down. While I'm talking about bad news, let me share just a little bit more. Another week, another episode here, and it's another little segment where I have to share with you that there has been another $500 price increase this week on all of the non-performance Model 3s and Model Ys. I don't really have anything to say about it. We know, again, it's... 
the uh, the materials costs here are going through the roof in a lot of industries. I don't think Tesla is doing this punitively. They've given me no reason to suspect that, but it's still not great now because the cheapest Tesla, of course, it's still the Tesla Model 3 Standard Range Plus, but I believe if memory serves correctly, that car was not too long ago down to, I think, 37.5, I believe. If memory serves correctly, now, as of today, it is back up to forty thousand dollars. It's thirty nine nine ninety. So another price increase there. Finally, this week, let's have a little more fun. Listener Van sent me this really fantastic mention of Tesla in pop culture. This is from the end of Benil Dariush's MMA fight against Tony Ferguson. What do you do when you've just won a, a just literal hand-to-hand combat? Well, in his post-fight interview with Joe Rogan, Benil said this. I want to call somebody out. Joe, I want to call out your buddy. Elon! Elon Musk! Where's my wife's car, bro? I've been waiting six months. I've had a baby. I need a good car. I need, I gotta protect my daughter. Let's go, Elon! Get me my car. Okay, let's, let's talk about the fight. That's pretty cool. I mean, you, you've you just literally beaten another man into actual submission. And that's what he chose to say when the mic was handed to him. I love it. He wants his Tesla for his wife with his, with his newborn kid. Uh, now, after Benil won, he later spoke to reporters. He followed up on this. He doubled down. He said this uh, in his session with the media. I've got to ask you, post-fight victory speech, of all the people to call out, you call out Elon Musk. What's the backstory behind this? December, I ordered my car. Bro, I ordered the safest car, they told me. It's the best car for, for you know, my pregnant wife. And uh, I'm still waiting. Elon, bro, what's the deal, man? You told me March. We're coming up in June. I want my car. Come on, bud. I, I know, big fan. Big fan, but this is, this, this is disrespect. Benil, perhaps speaking on behalf of a lot of you out there who have new Model S and Model X orders that you are waiting on. I thought that was really funny. It's just like a Tesla. Suddenly Tesla is a subplot in an MMA fight. Now, uh, the funny postscript to this, Elon actually did reply on Twitter saying coming soon. Sorry for the delay. And then I'm sure this was a total coincidence. Sarcasm. A day or two later, Benil posted a photo of himself with a loner Model Y that Tesla hooked him up with while he waits for his Model X. So uh, there you go, a little pop culture Tesla fun there. And that will close out this week's Tesla news. But stick with me. I've got a bunch of your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline calls, your questions, your comments, your Tesla discussion topics coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning hotline. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast, if you've got a Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic, Please call in with it. I would love to hear from you. You can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many calls each week as possible. And then email that file to me at 
teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same question and dial it in on the Ride the Lightning hotline and leave a message there. The toll-free number that you can call anytime, day or night, is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com if you'd like to learn more. Let's kick it off with Doug from Indiana. Ryan, Doug from Indiana with a request for some speculation on your part. If Daisy the Boxer was riding in a Model 3 or Y made with the 4680 cells, would that car be made with a smaller battery pack for the same mileage and offered for a much cheaper price? Or would Daisy ride farther with a similar size battery pack, but still cost somewhat less since it costs less to manufacture? It seems like this may be the tipping point, at least for Tesla, when comparing purchase options compared to gas cars. Thank you. Doug, first of all, I love how you phrase this. Uh, And this is an excellent question that I have seen debated in the community this week now that Elon has confirmed what I've already been assuming and just talking about as if it were real on this podcast, and it turns out it is, that is Giga Texas will be building Model Ys with the 4680 cells and the structural battery pack right from the jump, or as I have been calling it, the Model Y 2.0. Some people believe that the 4680 Model Y, thanks to its significantly higher energy density cells, is going to have a much longer range than the current 2170-based Model Y. I do not believe that will be the case, at least not for a little while. Allow me, per your request, to speculate here. So first, the 4680 Model Ys from Berlin and Texas they are going to have to coexist in the market with the 2170 Model Ys from Fremont and Shanghai until those latter two are able to shut down their production lines and change over to the structural battery pack and 4680 cells. So that's number one. Number two, the 4680 cells are almost certainly going to be supply constrained for a while as both Tesla and their battery partners, like you know Panasonic and LG, ramp up production on those new 4680 cells. So that means every cell counts. I mean, it always does for Tesla, but particularly in this transition period between the 2170s and the 4680s. And I would bet the farm that Tesla would rather sell, just as an example, I haven't done the exact math here because I don't know how many cells would go into uh, a 4680 Model Y to get the same range as a, as a 2170 Model Y. But just for hypothetical example, let's say, I would bet that Tesla would rather sell five Model Ys with fewer 4680 cells that get the same 326 mile range that the car is rated for now with 2170 cells rather than sell, say, three 4680 Model Y with the equivalent kilowatt hour amount uh, that that gets like 400 plus miles of range or whatever it would be, you know, with whatever it would take where they would up the range. So I just think they they would rather sell more cars that are pa- that meet 
feature parity with the ones that are also coming out of Fremont and Shanghai than sell fewer new ones, uh, fewer one wise with more range. Plus, Tesla's margins are going to go up a good bit by using fewer kilowatt hours of their own in-house, cheaper-to-make tabless battery cells. So you just you take all of that together, and I feel like that's going to be the way that Tesla goes. I mean, yes, it's fair that Tesla did say in the Q1 shareholder letter that they intend to continue increasing the range of the vehicles as they feel like that's a very important metric that people uh, are looking to as a as sort of that um, mental hurdle to get over before they're willing to to make the leap to electric vehicles. But I don't think it's going to happen just like that, like suddenly as soon as the 4680s hit. That's just my speculation. As always, I reserve the right to be wrong. But Doug, thank you very much for your call. Next up is Reese from the Sunshine Coast in Australia. McCaffrey, mate, Reese from Sunshine Coast, Australia. Just wanted to talk colors and interior. Uh, the other week you mentioned you were a little disappointed with the updated Model 3 interior where the white has lost the um, side white panels in the front and the back, making it less unique, which I agree with. So I thought maybe a nice addition now would be to have them change the center armrest to a white vegan leather to match the white seats. I think that would look a lot better than the current black finish. Love to get your thoughts on that. If you look at the Model S and Model X new interiors, their center armrest color matches the seat color, which I think looks better. Next, I want to talk made in China colors. So it's interesting they're shipping black as standard, but then the additional costs for white and the other colors, as well as red being the exact same cost as white when it's made in China. So that's that's interesting. But then further to that, when they ship made in Y and made sorry made in China Model Ys and Model Threes, especially sorry the Model Three overseas, they're shipping it as white as the standard, and then black is an additional cost, etc. So it's not lining up with what they're doing, even though it's made in made in China. So I thought that was interesting. Love to get your thoughts on that. And then lastly, the Cybertruck. I've got an idea where now it's only silver, obviously, because you can't paint it, but why not a black stainless steel, like you would see a black stainless steel fridge? Love to get your thoughts on that. I think a black stainless steel would look great on the Cybertruck. Have a great week, and congrats again on 300 podcasts. Thank you for your kind words, Reese, and thank you for calling in. So there's a lot to unpack there. Let me start with the new white interior. I agree with you. I would love to see the center armrest be white like it is, as you pointed out, in the new Model S and the Model X. In fact, if you remember or just take a look at the old pictures of the original silver Model 3 Alpha prototype with the white interior, that one had a white center armrest. I don't think Tesla's going to do it, honestly, in the high volume vehicles, simply because it adds one extra bit of complexity to the cars that they're trying to crank out as fast as possible. I mean, you never know. You know, a good comparison here would be the new, uh, the slightly redesigned door panels, particularly those, uh, really the front door panels with that, you know, dash bit of trim that comes around uh, and they, they got rid of those white uh, vegan leather panels that are that were in the white cars, white interior cars, and now both interior color threes and Ys have the same four interior door panels, which reduces a bit of complexity 
for Tesla on that. Uh, now, I'm not sure what the story is with the default paint discrepancy that you mentioned from China to Europe, to be honest with you there. But as for the Cybertruck coming in black, you know, I I had to be honest here. I, I don't know when you until you asked, I didn't know how black stainless products get made black. So I Googled it. And the top result, if it is to be believed, is from the appliance maker Frigidaire. I don't know if you have them in Australia or not, but they're a big here in America. They, they say black stainless steel is the same composition of iron, chromium, silicon, nickel, and carbon that makes up traditional stainless steel products, but it has a protective coating of polymer that creates a black matte finish. So I learned something new today. Thank you for that, Reese, for inspiring me to go look that up. So in theory, in theory, yes, that could totally be done to the Cybertrucks. There could be, you know, once they've ramped up production, there could be a run of them that are, you know, that have that that protective polymer coating that makes the stainless black. Now, I will also share with you a little anecdote from my DeLorean days because it is relevant to the stainless steel color that we're discussing here. 40 years ago, roughly, before, actually, well, yeah, 38 maybe by now, something like that. Before DeLorean went under, the DeLorean Motor Company was working with DuPont on a colored clear coat that would go on the stainless of the DeLorean and, and it would give that stainless steel a colored tint, blue, red, whatever, but still show the grain of the stainless steel underneath. There is a sample panel that's hanging up at DMC Texas, the new DeLorean Motor Company that doesn't have any any uh, direct connection to the old. They, the friends of mine, Stephen Wynn and, and James Espy, they they purchased the all the parts supply and the name DeLorean Motor Company, and so that's how they that's the name they operate under. But they have that original panel from the original DMC hanging up in their lobby, and I've seen it. It's really cool, and it's a shame that that, that uh, the company did not last long enough to have done that. So, I mean, I know that's really old tech, and maybe there's a better, cooler way to do it now, but if Tesla could look at something like that down the road where it would still show the grain of the stainless behind it but have a color, I think that would be really, really cool. Now, you can also just straight up traditionally paint a stainless steel car but I don't recommend it because the properties of the the stainless are such that the paint won't stick for more than a handful of years. It will literally start flaking off the car at some point in time. So I don't see Tesla doing going the traditional route should they decide to paint them. I'm sure there will be people that do it, that, that just as there were people that painted DeLoreans. Uh, after, you know, after taking delivery of them. But I hope that helps, Reese. Thank you so much for calling in. Jay from Los Angeles is up next, reacting to the whole Bitcoin situation with Tesla that I talked about. Go ahead, Jay. Hey, Ryan, it's Jay from L.A. Uh, I just wanted to call in and comment about the whole Elon Musk and Bitcoin situation. And it's just kind of crazy to me because I never thought I'd see the day where Elon was spreading FUD. And it's like, honestly, ironic because Tesla's are powered by the same thing that cryptocurrency miners are powered by energy. Most of them are being pulled from the grid 
And, you know, even an ARK Invest analyst said that 76% of Bitcoin mining uh, comes from renewable energy. But even if it wasn't, Teslas are very power hungry as well. And it's like, it's kind of like, it's, it's just ironic to me that he would be so opposed to people using energy when, you know, Teslas are using energy. And, you know, I know that there's like, you know, solar roofs and, and uh, power packs. And he even talked about this on the earnings call that like, you know, the need for uh, ren- more renewable energy as far as the grid. But for him to come out and just say like, oh yeah, Bitcoin mining is bad for the environment when you're literally selling a product that, you know, supercharges and uses a ton of energy as well. I think it would his energy would be better served trying to help the grid and, and trying to provide more energy because cryptocurrency is here to stay and it's going to be around for many years to come. And I think it's just, it's just kind of disappointing that he would just come out and kind of diss Bitcoin like that. So uh, anyway, let me know what you think. Jay, I appreciate your call and your perspective. Uh, I'm going to be honest here, and I did mention this last week when I first reported this. This is one of my blind spots that I need to work on. I do not know much about cryptocurrency in general, including how it's mined and where that power comes from. I mean, you cited uh, Kathy Wood and the ARK Invest Group, and they have a pretty good reputation that they've earned in the renewable energy slash future technology investing space. So, I mean, like I said last week, it's a double-edged sword here as far as I can see it. I mean, on the one hand, I think it's good that Tesla pivots quickly and isn't afraid to change direction when something's not working. But on the other hand, it's fair to want Tesla to start thinking their moves through a bit more before they do them so that they can potentially avoid these very quick control Z undo moments. I think there's a way for them to be nimble and stop and think things through at the same time. And uh, I hope they're able to continue to try and find that balance. I'm going to keep learning more about this. And in the meantime, Jay, thank you again for your call. Chad from Nebraska wants to talk about the Bobcat Project. Go ahead, Chad. Good morning, Ryan. Chad Carlson, Aurora, Nebraska, Model Y owner. A longtime listener ever since I became an enthusiast for Tesla. My question about your episode 302 talking about the Bobcat Project. Is it possible that the Bobcat Project in Austin, Texas is for the Model 2s? Love your feedback. Very much appreciate your podcast. Have a great day. Chad, welcome to the hotline and thank you for your call. It is definitely possible. Rumors have suggested that the car might be closer than we think. And it's going to be an even higher volume car than the 3 or the Y. Fremont probably doesn't have the space to build it. So Texas is the most likely possibility as of now, I would think, at least until Tesla decides to build another American Gigafactory that's just for this car. Though uh, I believe the head of Tesla China has, has already said publicly that it'll be built there first before later going global. Though, even taking that into account, it doesn't necessarily deflate your prediction. So, it's definitely possible. I will be eager to see what Bobcat does end up being. Tommy from Sweden is up next. Welcome, Tommy. Ryan, hi. This is uh, Tommy calling from Sweden, outside of Gothenburg. Thank you so much for the podcast. I listen to it every Monday, going to and uh, from work in my Nissan Leaf. 
the second generation Nissan Leaf, which I'm gonna switch to a Model 3 Performance right around uh, the end of the year. And my question is about this because of yeah, because of all the rumors or uh, all the uh, stuff I've heard about, partly from you, but also from from other people about the you know chip shortage and uh, material shortage. So overall, uh, do you know anything about the delivery time for a Model Three performance going to Sweden? Um. Because it's for me, it's quite important that it that it sort of matches my 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 end of lease date pretty well. Um, yeah, do you know anything about it? Thank you so much. Give Daisy a friendly pat for me, and wow, keep up the good work. You're amazing, man. Take care. Hi, Tommy. Well, I wish I could give you a clear, exact answer here, but unfortunately, that's tough for me to do, even as a maniacally obsessed Tesla observer as I am. Giga Berlin should be delivering cars by the end of the year, but as you know, they'll only be doing the Model Y to start and not the Model 3. That means that your car would either be coming from the USA or from Shanghai. And it's probably going to be the United States since you're ordering a performance as I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the Model 3s that are being sent to Europe from Shanghai are standard range plus models. So anyway, what I can tell you is that by virtue of living just a few miles from the Fremont factory, and also uh, I'm up and down the Highway 101 route a lot that the Tesla car carriers use when they're shipping cars out from the port here in San Francisco when they're coming up uh, from the factory to that port. I see those car carriers all the time. I can tell you that the beginning of the quarter is when the European Model 3s get built and shipped out. I see truckloads of them in the early parts of the quarters. You can tell, I mean, yes, they're left-hand drive cars, but they've got the wide European license plate mounting bracket frame thing on the back of the cars. That's how you know that they are not bound for United States destinations. And so my best advice to you would be this. Order at the very end of Q3, so late September. That should mean that you get a car that's on one of those early Q4 car carriers that'll go to port, get loaded onto a ship, bound for Europe, and then get delivered to you by the end of December uh, but you're also be sure to keep an eye on the delivery estimates on the Tesla Design Studio, your local one in Sweden. You know, you keep keep that estimate uh, fresh in your head too, and adjust accordingly if necessary. So, good luck to you, Tommy, and please allow me to give you an early welcome to the Tesla owners community. One more call this week. It comes from John in Central Massachusetts, where uh, John is a uh, leading me to a correction, which I am more than happy to do here. John, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. This is John from Central Massachusetts. Love the show. You do a fantastic job week in and week out, and we really appreciate it. On last week's show, you mentioned that you were able to get a vibration in the steering wheel as part of the blind spot monitor. Um, I thought I knew 
almost everything about Teslas, but that was news to me. And try as I may, I've looked everywhere in the settings and I can't find anything that would allow the wheel to vibrate as an additional indicator um, that is a vehicle in the blind spot when you have the turn signal on. So um, could you please uh, give us a little um, step through of how to set that up? Thanks again. And uh, again, I appreciate everything you're doing out there. John, thank you very much for calling in. So I went down to my car to check on this, and I owe you and the entire audience an apology and a retraction. It's not there. I could swear it was. I thought I had it enabled at some point, but my guess is that my brain was mistaking it for the steering wheel vibration that you can enable on automatic lane changes with Navigate on Autopilot. That's definitely a thing. Uh, But what I said about the blind spot monitoring, not a thing at all. So I do want to apologize for inadvertently giving out incorrect information there, and I'm happy to correct the record now. Thank you very much for leading me to the correct knowledge for future reference on that. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody who called in. Again, I'll get to more calls next week. Keep them coming. I'd love to hear from you. You can call in in one of the two easy ways that I mentioned at the top of the segment. Stick with me, though. The show is not quite done yet. I've got your pro tip of the week and a bit more coming up right after this. Well, all I really have to say about my car, the Spirit of Adventure, is that it is geared up and ready to go for its day trip to L.A. to visit its future sibling, its future garage mate. So uh, all I'm hoping for is just a safe, uneventful trip there and back. Hopefully no flat tires, accidents, mishaps, police encounters, any of that stuff. Hopefully it'll just be a good, clean run down and back. But I'm really looking forward to it. That is going to be fun uh, to go visit the Peterson. I'm excited. I've always wanted to go. So wish me luck on that road trip. Meanwhile, an entertainment recommendation for you. I'm going to flip the script a little bit. I'm going to give you a music recommendation. Everybody's taste in music is different, but you know what? That's okay. If you don't care, you can just not take the uh, the recommendation. No problem. My all-time favorite band is Counting Crows. They have meant a lot to me for so many years since I was a teenager. Uh, I love, I just love their work. And you know what? I know there were po- they were a popular band to not like for a while. So what? I've always loved them, and I don't care what anyone else thinks. I've seen them a million times. They're great live. They just released a new EP, not quite a full album. It's a four-song suite. It's called Butter Miracle. I would, uh, if you if you have liked Counting Crows at any point in your life. Give it a listen. They've still got it. It's still really good. So check that out. All right. Time for your pro tip of the week. This one comes from Brad in Kentucky. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for all you do. This is Brad Robertson, Kentucky Owners Club. Just uh, had a little pro tip. Uh, interesting note. I was using the summons. The car was in the garage with the garage door closed. I set the go to target in the driveway. And when I initiated the summons button, it opened the garage door itself uh, without a direct command. So thought that was interesting. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, Brad. And uh, by the way, listening to your call instantly relaxed me because of the lovely sound of the breeze and the birds chirping behind you. I just want to be wherever you are right now and be relaxed, or at least wherever you are when you called in. Uh, anyway, 
If you have Homelink installed in the car and all set up, it is really good to know that that's, it'll automate that process for you with Summon. Very cool. Thank you very much for calling in with that. And again, if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, something unique about the car that's maybe not obvious, something of interest, uh, be sure to call in with it and share it with your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts. You can call in in the same way that you dial in for the Ride the Lightning hotline. I gave you the instructions for that earlier in the show. If you ever need them, by the way, it's always in the show description, the, the show notes, basically, that are attached to any episode. You can find the, the call-in information is always there for you. All right, that will about wrap it up. Let me just say hi to some friends of Ride the Lightning, starting with abstractocean.com, purveyors of many fine aftermarket Tesla accessories, from rear footwell lighting kits, which I especially recommend for you Model Y owners, to the drop-in cup holder stabilizers to you know make sure your cups in that sort of weird two cup cup holder that comes in our cars they're not your cups not rattling around the tempered glass screen protectors are great for the three and the Y uh, they 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 fit perfectly they even have there's a very subtle curve in the bottom of the glass that Abstract Ocean accounts for so I that's great as well all kinds of stuff. Just shop around. Just take a look. Abstractocean.com and uh, think carefully because what you want to do is you want to buy everything you want at once because the coupon code that Abstract Ocean kindly still offers for listeners of this podcast, it's good for your first order and it's good for a 15% discount. So check out the whole site, plan your what you want to get, and then buy it all at once using the coupon code RTL podcast to get that 15% off of your first order. And that's all one word, RTL podcast for that discount. Thank you, Abstract Ocean. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, taking great care of you and your car. If you are going to be or just live in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, Jeff will take amazing care of your car and he will offer you a discount in doing so because you just mentioned, hey, Jeff, I listened to Ride the Lightning. Can I have a discount? And he'll say, yes, you can. You are welcome to that discount. Whether you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years, uh, that's what I have on my car, and I love it. It's awesome. When it rains, the water just beads right off. You could do paint correction, take out any little factory flaws or flaws that have been introduced since you owned it. You know, this stuff happens, it builds up. Get your car looking as good as new and sometimes better. And or you may want to do paint protection film, which I cannot recommend enough to protect that Tesla paint job. You want to keep it looking good for a long time. Any of that, all of it, uh, Jeff will work with you on your budget, on what you want to do. So get in touch. He's booking up for the summer. Just, you know, he's not, not like, it's not that he's booked up for the summer, but he is booking out now. So uh, I advise you to get in touch sooner rather than later if you're interested in procuring his services. The website is irdetailing.com. And then how about puretesla.com slash RTL? Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. I think the $49, 128-gigabyte kit will do just fine. It's micro SD based, so it's designed for the constant reading and writing that the uh, sentry mode demands. It's not gonna wear out on you. It's gonna just be reliable. It's gonna work. 
puretesla.com slash RTL. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S., and it comes fully formatted and ready to go right into the package. So just tear open that envelope that's shipped to you for free, plug it straight into your car, and you're done. That's it, period. There is also a 256 gig kit for 69 bucks if you do want to do that. But either way, puretesla.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, Jada, their family of products continues to grow. They've got the new Jada tray, nice little center console organizer for the three and the Y that will also wirelessly charge your Apple AirPods or Pixel Buds. The big product, the, the number one product that I recommend from them is what uh, the one I've got in my car. That is the Jada wireless charging pad. For those of you, you know, it's most of the Model 3 owners still at this point that whose cars did not include wireless charging built in. Uh, they're on version four of the wireless charging pad. Now I'm running version three, which is great. Four has just nicer fit and finish and it's in a nicer material. So it, it's, you know, the price is the same. So just go get it. It's awesome. The, uh, and then there's the Jada USB hub. If you need some extra USB ports, including USB-C ports in your center console, and then finally, the Jada SSD drive that that works in concert with the U- Jada USB drive, uh, excuse me, the USB hub. So you do need that, uh, you need the USB hub to use the SSD, but they work together very, very nicely. Coupon code there is RTL for a nice discount on any of the Jada products. And if you're gonna buy any of those, I humbly request that you use my referral link which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Jada spelled J-E-D-A. And then finally, everyamp.com slash R-T-L. That's your one-stop shop for a nice front license plate bracket for any of the four Teslas. There's no adhesive that's gonna stick to the paint on the front of your car, which is what Tesla gives you by default with your car is a front license plate bracket that uses double-sided automotive tape. So get the snap plate. That's the better way to go. You can take it on and off pretty easily with the included tool, but it will stay on securely. You can take it off for car shows, for when you're washing it, for when you're not gonna be parked in a place where a, you know, a parking enforcement person might come up and give you a ticket like at a parking meter or something like that. So. The website to get that from is everyamp.com slash RTL, everyamp.com slash RTL. And I believe that will just about, oh, oh, of course, there is the Patreon. I am, obviously the podcast is free. It has always been free. It will always be free, but uh, I do, I am able to continue doing this podcast week in and week out, which I do take a lot of pride in by virtue of listener support by the support of my audience. So if at some point, maybe it's today, maybe it's next week, maybe it's next month, you feel like uh, that I have earned your support and you are willing and able to support me, I would sincerely appreciate it. The website to learn more and to actually pledge is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The uh, base, the the tiers start. There's the the sport tier at five bucks a month, which will get you early access to each week's show, and you're supporting me. 
which I am sincerely grateful for. And then it goes up from there. There's, of course, I mean, there's the the ludicrous tier that has the not just the uh, the monthly bonus mini episode, but you also get the early access. Everything stacks as you go up. So, and I'll and I'll remind you as well. There are also annual pledge options. If you just want to pay once, if you want to say, you know what, Ryan, I just want to throw you a one-time, one-time bit of support that's good for a year. They have the annual option as well. And even better still, if you pick the annual option, you get a 5% discount, which is pretty nice too. I've seen a lot of people start to take advantage of that. Uh, so I thank you for that. I appreciate it. Again, my email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm also DMC underscore Ryan on both Twitter and Instagram. My Instagram is 100% Tesla. My Twitter is definitely not 100%. In fact, admittedly, just, I mean, in all honesty, I, I don't, it's probably not a large percentage because that's, I need that for my day job. That's mostly video game stuff, but uh, I certainly talk Tesla on there from time to time. But yeah, Instagram's the one. If you just care about Tesla stuff, you can follow me on there if you're interested. And finally, let me just say hello and thank you to all of the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier Patreon backers. First up is the newest Roadster in Space tier backer, Neil Weaver, upgrading to Roadster in Space. So Neil, sincerely, thank you. I appreciate it. And then the rest of the Roadster in Space crew orbiting the Patreon, I love it, from space at a million miles an hour, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, and the aforementioned Neil Weaver as well. From the Maximum Plaid group, the newest Maximum Plaid backer, Justin Perez. Thank you very much, Justin, for your very generous support. And then we also have Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, MT, Will Stedman, Tyler Smith, Mait Suaru, and Derek Nesselrode. Thank you all very much. And then the Plaid crew, Joshua Walker is the newest Plaid backer. Thank you very much, Joshua. Along with George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, 
and Jonathan Zelezny. Thank you all so very, very much, all of you, for your kind support of the podcast. And that will wrap it up for the palindromatic episode 303 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. For a snoozing Daisy the Boxer who's over on the couch, just sprawled out like uh, like Cleopatra over there, <laughs> I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Uh, it is great to be with you each and every week. I am grateful for your time. I know it's you know it's an hour plus every week that I'm uh, that you're listening, and for that I am very grateful because your time is extremely valuable, and I try never to take that for granted. So thank you all very much. Happy electric motoring, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.